Good morning. What a challenge uh, from the Gideons. And again, I'd like uh, I'd like you just to remind you again to keep them in prayer and to uh, really think maybe about what your your part may be in that. Um, God has called us to do many of the the same things, and uh, we work together in those things. And as we've been going through or just starting into our series on evangelism, um, today we're going to talk about uh, telling a friend, and there's no better way to tell a friend than to maybe give them one of those little Bibles and say, take some time and and read this. Start in the Gospel of John and and, uh, do this. We're going to be coming out of John today, if you want to turn there, John 20. But... um, as I was preparing today, I was, I was thinking of just a whole lot of things with evangelism. Um, if you've ever heard of the, the second law of thermodynamics, it tells you this. Uh, everything tends to wear out, run down, or stop working. Isn't that truth? As we get older, maybe we even experience this in our life. Things move from order to disorder and from organization to chaos. And, and I thought about that from the point of Scripture, when God created everything in Genesis, and he said it is good uh, to the point where we are in the world now, and it's just sort of a, a mess at times as we hear about balloons flying over and uh, all the, the things that consume us as we think about these things. There's an author named Mark uh, Middleburg, He stated that there's also a second law of uh, spiritual dynamics. And this is what he says. If left to themselves, Christians move from God towards self-centeredness. We think about that when it comes to evangelism. Have we made everything about God about me? It's all about me. Many times in churches and relationships in the world today, we see that. How does it affect me? What do I get out of it? How do I benefit from these things? And and we forget that we are here as believers in Jesus to serve our risen Savior. To do His calling in our life. To go out and to spread the gospel as He has called us to do. No self-centered Christian, I believe, is motivated to spread the gospel about Jesus Christ. We've talked about this, that when you evangelize, when you share the gospel, when you get involved in people's lives, it gets messy sometimes. You get into their drama, they get into your drama, you get into, um, you know, broken relationships, you just, you get into these things, and it's really a blessing that God has given us, but for the most part, when we get self-centered, we say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to waste that energy, I don't want to get Involved and that I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, and unfortunately for some, I don't have the desire to do that. If we've come to that point, we need to reevaluate what God says in His Word and and what the Bible really teaches us as believers. The series is really meant to uh, help us get motivated for evangelism. We understand that God is always at work; He's behind the scenes; He is doing the 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 orchestrating of things. He's providing us with opportunities, but what are you doing with those opportunities in your life? Our church is is really working and moving forward in in a lot of different areas, but a couple of them are worship. 
fellowship, which is an important thing. Discipleship is why we have studies raising others up in the word, teaching, walking alongside them. But also evangelism, outreach. What are we doing for outreach? And as I've shared the last few weeks, we've gone through a couple years where, where we've been healing, where we've been um, strengthening, where we've been growing, where we've um, just really getting our bearings back and, and knowing what we want to do and, and who we are as a body of Christ. And so now here we are at outreach. So the four purposes that we talked about, one of them is, is reaching up in worship. So, you know, we raise our hands to God in, in some of our songs, but our worship is to go up. It's to go up and flow up to God. It's directed towards God, our worship. We've shared many times that, that uh, you know, when we give an applause at the end of a, at the end of a chorus, it's not for the, the ones that are doing the worship. It's for God. We're giving Him the honor and the glory. Our praise goes up towards Him. We're reaching in, in fellowship. This is directed towards our our fellow Christians. And this church is a blessing. We have a lot of things, a lot of activities. I was just telling somebody the other day, I can't wait for summer to come because last summer was so much fun. It's just like people were having people over and we were having these, these fires in the back air. We were having this Christian fellowship. And so that's an important part as we reach in, directed towards fellow Christians. The third one again, reaching down in discipleship, directed to those who are growing in the faith. I'm excited about our young people and the things they're doing. I'm excited about the teachers and how excited they are. I mean, I, I've come just from a church where basically a lot of the stuff was on our shoulders, Julie's on our shoulders. And I still sometimes get that little anxious things when things are going on, making sure they want to get covered. But we have leaders in this church that are stepping up and they're excited about the calling that God has on their life and they're getting involved and they are, are, are just, you know, they're teaching the word of God. It's so great when you hear somebody say, you know, uh, can we get a Bible for this person or that person or for this group or that group? Because we understand that the word of God is the truth that we stand on. But reaching out is also important and that's directed towards those who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As we met this last week with uh, some other elders of a church and we had a prayer time together, we talked about we're not interested in people from other churches coming to this church. We're interested in those that have no church. We want to share the gospel with those that need Jesus Christ as Savior. And that needs to be our focus. That needs to be our goal. And that needs to be our purpose in life. So out of these four things, I think really outreach is the one that is probably the most vulnerable, the one that is most at risk, because churches tend to get um, into themselves. We like to have it, I call it sometimes the Christian country club aspect. We come together as believers, we meet as believers, we do this as believers, we, we go out to eat with believers, you know, we're, we're doing all these things as believers, which is fine, that's part of fellowship. But the other aspect is the outreach. We come together to get equipped. We come together to learn. We come together to really get on fire. So when we leave this place, we are out doing the work that God has called us to do. There was a survey I came across about the purpose of the church. And you can read all sorts of books about the purpose of the church. But the Bible has the best one. 
But the, in the survey, anyways, I found it very interesting that it said 89% of church members said the church's purpose is to take care of my needs and those of my family. 89%. That's sad. It's really sad to say that the pastor is here just to take care of me, that the church is here just to take care of me and my needs and my wants and those things. And we've seen that in, in the world. We see that within the church. And, and again, I want to say this, that there is time that there is families in the church that, that do need the pastor. They do need the elders. They do need the fellowship of the body to come around them because we do go through some tough times. But that shouldn't be the main purpose of the believer that comes to church. Is it all about you? They say it's all about me. I don't like this, I don't like that. And I saw a little a meme the other day that there was people walking into a church and people walking out of the church. And the people walking into the church say, I'm coming here because I didn't like the way it was going over there. And the ones that were walking out said, I don't like the way it's going there, so I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Tends to be our, our gig, I guess. Is it about me? Said 11%. So the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. So when we think about that, we can think of the scripture that says, you know, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the road that leads to him. According to Jesus, spending, uh, or really spreading the good news is the main purpose that the church is called for. It's the main purpose for you as a believer, is to share that gospel message. And so some think evangelizing is a burden. But really, I want, to, I want us to think about it as an honor. So in John 20, um, we're just going to read a few verses here, starting at verse 19. And this is where Jesus appears to the disciples. So, so he has uh, he's been crucified. Uh, he's been gone. He comes back. The, the ladies see him. They go and say, hey, we've seen Jesus. They don't believe him. They go and they run and they, they hide in this room. They lock themselves in this room. Jesus comes and he appears to the disciples. And it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad and they saw the, that they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, Receive the Holy Spirit. What an encounter. All of us maybe think of, we'd love to have that encounter, to, to see the Lord Jesus, to be commissioned by Jesus for something like that. John 20, in that little bit of a verse there that we read, tells us quite a bit about ourselves and about others. Jesus rose again from the dead. The disciples had heard about this. They didn't believe him. They, they, they went and they locked themselves in this room. They were in fear. They went into hiding because they were afraid, it says, of the Jews. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen the miracles that he had done. They had seen the power. They had heard the wisdom. These were believers in Jesus. But for that time, fear captivated them. They as we look at sometimes, many times people, believers, we hide behind the church doors for the same reason. 
We like to come together. We like to talk about Jesus. We like to read his Bible. We like to sing the hymns and, and sing the praises. But are you afraid to go out into the world and to share what Jesus has done for you? That's what he's called us to do. You know, the world is, is I think, tired of religion as we know it. I was, I was reading somewhere where uh, a pastor had made a comment. He said, you know, we're still trying to bounce back from COVID where, where people left the church and, you know, they got comfortable at home. And I understand that. And I think, you know, we've seen people that have left that haven't come back, maybe for various reasons. Maybe, maybe their relationship isn't on fire like it should be. But a lot of times I think for the world, when they say that the church has dropped off so much, I really think it's because people discovered that religion, in its sense, doesn't meet the need that Christianity does. Okay, so there's a difference between religion and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I see people that are coming back, they're coming back looking for something different than what they had before because they were coming maybe at a, at a regular pace and they were attending these church services, but they discovered that when they left, there really wasn't anything different in their life. They were missing that element of Jesus in their life. So those that are searching, saying, I want something more. I need something more. There's got to be more than just the formalities that we go through. And we have that opportunity to reach out to them. And we have the honor to present that gospel to those that are searching. The Bible tells us, be ready to give an answer for that hope that lives within you. Are you ready that when somebody comes up that you can say, hey, you know, I tell people a lot of times, I don't know exactly what you're going through. Sometimes I have to tell them, I can't imagine what you've gone through or what you're going through. But I can say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what is offered through Jesus Christ, God's only son. And we can start from there. And so we share those things. Look at how Jesus ended their fear. So you got these disciples, the ones that we tend to put up on pedestals sometimes, but they were people just like you and I. Look at how he ended their fear. Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he showed them the hands and says he showed them the side. And they were glad. They were glad to see Jesus again. There's something about being in the presence of Jesus that, that gives us courage and hope. Is Jesus present in your life? Are your eyes fixed upon him? Is Jesus where he needs to be in your life? Because when it says, blessed is the man whose mind has stayed upon me. When we're looking towards Jesus, when we're thinking of his scriptures, when we know his word, we can stand on those promises. When he is alive and active in our life, when my spirit and his spirit are in union, I have courage. I have faith. I have hope. Are we cowering in fear or are we stepping out? Think about this. These disciples, they hardly had a moment to even soak in. Here's Jesus. He's back. They're cowering this moment and here's Jesus. Now they're happy to see him. And what's the very next verse that Jesus says? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And get this. Jesus isn't just saying this to the disciples. He's saying this to you and me. He's telling us, 
As the Father has sent me, so I send you. We are on a mission. God has commissioned us to share the gospel message with those around us. Dad, only believe that truth for a few minutes, and here comes this big shocker that comes in, and they're not even knowing. I mean, why were they hiding? They were hiding. They were afraid, right? They were afraid for their life. They were afraid they were going to be in prison. They were afraid maybe they were going to be beaten, and all of a sudden Jesus says, but I need you to go. Think of the mindset that that had to change in their life just that quick. It's sort of like Jesus was, was there to sort of toss them the keys and say, come on, boys, let's go. You ever remember that? Remember when you, when you got your first set of keys or mom and dad gave you the keys to the car? Man, I'm all grown up now. We got some of them teenagers here, right? Ooh, I got the car. Room, room, room. You know? Jesus tossed them the keys and said, go. We think that we're all grown up. Think about, from our standpoint, that have children. And we give those children the keys for the first time. A little scary. But guess what? I trust you. Right? Because if I didn't trust you, I ain't giving you the keys to my truck. No. No. Jesus trusted them. We talk about our trust in Jesus. We need that. We need faith in Jesus. But Jesus trusts us also. He has given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the keys to the, to the salvation that is offered only through the blood of Jesus Christ. He was entrusting them with something very valuable. And he's entrusted us as individuals and as a church with something very valuable. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the message that you have is a valuable message that needs to be heard, that needs to be spread throughout the world? As Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He's saying, I'm trusting you, Craig. I'm trusting you, Christian. I'm trusting you, believer, to take this message and to share it with those that have need. We need to see this as an honor not as a burden. It's our honor to go out and share those things. You know, when I do a funeral, I tell the family, it's an honor to be asked to do that. If I do a wedding, it's an honor to be asked to be a part of that. When Jesus gives us something to do, we need to say, it's an honor to be asked to do those things. He trusts us. He's called us. We think of all the blessings that we have in our life, the things that God has bestowed upon us. If you ever want to get the focus on yourself, think about that. What God has done for me. What he has delivered me from. What he has blessed me with by his grace, with his mercy, with his forgiveness, with his salvation by the blood of the Lamb. And when I think of that, I want to share that with others. Jesus appears to his disciples, his first words, peace be with you. That, that word peace is shalom. You probably all knew that, right? Shalom means all good to you. When he comes in there and says, peace be with you, he's saying, disciples, all good to you. Blessings to you. My peace be to you and to me. Each person comes to Jesus in different ways. We've all had a journey. We've all had that path. And we all come to Jesus in, in a unique and different way. And that's part of our testimony. Jesus isn't concerned about conformity. 
He's concerned about conversion. He doesn't want us all to have the same testimony, the, the, the same look, the same story. He wants all the stories to end the same. That by Jesus. But we've all taken different paths to get there. He gives forgiveness where there was guilt. Some of you might be sitting here today riddled with guilt in your life for something that you have done. Jesus has come to forgive. That's what repentance is about. He's come to forgive that. So he's given us forgiveness in place of guilt. He's given us joy in place of despair. Amen. We have people around us that are hurting all the time. There's voids in their life. People die. Bad things happen. Relationships, you know, clash at times. We can have that despair, but Jesus says, I want to turn that despair into joy. And I want to replace, disciples, your fear with courage. Maybe you're sitting here today and, and you got some fear in your life. Fear of the unknown, right? But I know who holds tomorrow. I don't need to be worried about what tomorrow holds because I know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands, right? That's right. Yeah. So Lord, replace my fear with courage. First Peter 2 says this. It says, grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Listen, if you've experienced something from the Lord, right? And we don't just walk in our experiences because there's days you, you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel this or feel that. But you know what the Lord has done? That's an experience. The Lord has forgiven you. If the Lord has changed your life, that's an experience. But I just know from an earthly standpoint, when I taste something that is good, I want to tell others about it. I don't care if it's a burger or a pizza. Man, they, this was delicious. I tasted it. My eyes rolled back in my head. When the Lord, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Has the Lord been good to you? Have you experienced his forgiveness? His love, his grace, his mercy. Has he given you that peace that surpasses all understanding? If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I mean, if we get excited about telling somebody about a, a burger, all the more so God. Man, he is fantastic. Well, oh, you tell me you never went through trouble? No, I go through troubles all the time. But I'm not going through them alone anymore. My Jesus is with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. He is with me in my, in my troubles. You know, we have people that go on and on about their vacations and the, the, the wonderful time they had here or there. Don't you hate that when you're up here and they're talking about Florida? And, and, oh, we, we had some people that just went, uh, oh, there they are, yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful and warm down there. We go on and on about that, right? We like to brag about our grandkids. If we had to do, we see their pictures all the time. We get excited about those things. We got people that will they'll always talk about sports, right? What about Jesus? Are we sometimes getting, and there's nothing wrong with being excited about those things I just told you about, but are we getting more excited about those things than we are about something that has eternal value? Something that is with us always and that can change a life forever. Why don't we talk more about a powerful, loving, and forgiving Savior? We need to. That's what evangelism is all about. Revelations 2 tells us this. When we look at, like, why? Why is this? 
This might be it. He told the church in Ephesus, I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. You've forgotten your first love. It's gotten buried. It's gotten buried maybe in the activities of this world and the busyness that that overwhelms us and the, the, the anxieties and all those things. You've lost, you've buried, you've misplaced this first love. I want you to think about when you first fell in love. Right? I remember when I first saw Julie. I didn't even talk with her. She was driving in. I was driving out of the place. I saw her. I called my friend. I said, I found the woman I'm going to marry. I told her that when I met her later that day. She was like, you're crazy. You're you're nuts, boy. But I believed. And I kept going. And I didn't believe in the Lord. I just believed. I just, boy. But when you're in love with something, you get consumed by it, right? And you begin to think about it all the time. It just, it, it takes over your mind and your life. And, you know, pretty soon you're writing love letters and you're sending cards and, you know, oh, honey, I can't wait to see you again. And, you know, all this stuff, right? It just is, is all over your life. When Revelation says we've lost that first love, where's God in us? Do you remember the day that you were delivered? Do you remember the day that, that the burdens were lifted and that weight was gone? And the freest I ever felt, I can remember, was, was the day that I asked Christ in my life. I was just like, man, I can't believe this. But then all of a sudden, life comes, right? Life can be tough at times. Life throws us all these things. And we get consumed here and we get consumed there and we take our eyes off of where it belongs. But the one that you love stays in the forefront of your mind. When we get busy with life, is is it all of a sudden about uh, we love making a living? We love making more money? And is that our driving force that gets going? I love having toys and possessions. Is that our driving force? See, a lot of things we can get out of place. Jesus desires to be at the top. Remember for where you have fallen. We need to remember our first love. And we need to remember that the world needs to hear that message. We need to do like that old hymn says. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Whenever I sit and meditate upon God, I mean, it's just like I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed at what he has done in me and through me and around me. He's an amazing God. And so our battle is this, is to keep God where he needs to be. Blessed is the one whose mind has stayed upon him. And so we see that there's many good reasons to share the good news. There's also some negative motivation, really, in sharing that. But I want you to think this, when it comes to evangelism, When it comes to outreach in God's word, the stakes are high. The stakes are very high. Eternity is in the balance. Eternity of your neighbors, of your family, of your friends, of your community is in the balance. So what's the negative motivations? We'll talk about that next week. Let's pray.